We're just normal men. What do you mean, normal men? We're just innocent men. Expect huh? Casey to try to put a little something extra on the slider here. Sun comes out from behind the cloud, and suddenly we have sunshine covering the infield. A one-two pitch to the plate. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! He struck him out! He struck him out! Aggies are going to the College World Series! Howdy, guys. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. Today is Monday, February 26th. And it is a beautiful day outside. It's been a really, really nice few days. The weather has been unbelievable. It was, it's so nice. We've spent a lot of time outside on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. And it's it's kind of like it's like perfect baseball weather, right? Baseball and softball. It's perfect weather to be sitting at the diamond. It's not too cold. It's not so hot. You just sit there and, and get you know second degree sunburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think the crowds kind of showed that too. They proved that this weather is fantastic. It was just it's so pretty this weekend, and it still is. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you and I got together and enjoyed a few beers and yep. got to do a little bit of bowling and hanging out at the house. And we ended up talking a lot about Rush and a handful of other fun bands while we were out there. We did. We uh, definitely went around different musical genres and um, and did our Mount Rushmores. We might have to bring a couple of those up. Yeah, I think we might. But uh, man, what a weekend, right? For sports, not yeah. not up to, but not including basketball. How about what a weekend on the diamonds? That's probably a better way to put it. Definitely a good way to put it. Well, my name is Rob White, fighting Texas Aggie class of fourteen. Yeah, I'm Roy May, fighting Texas Aggie class of 2015. Yeah, and we are definitely going to touch on that. A little bit yeah, we're going to we're going to dive right into it, man. Um, because there was a lot of action too. Um. Softball, it feels like they've got like 47 games scheduled over the next two weeks. Um, and I know that's just kind of part of how softball does their scheduling. Um, but uh, softball had the A&M Invitational over the weekend. I thought it was um, – obviously, they, they unfortunately dropped their first game. Uh, right. This but, uh, but that's it. That's the only thing that – you know, it's the only game they dropped. And they, it was one nothing to Kansas. It was – I mean, it was a real nail-biter. It's not like they got their doors blown off or anything. No. Um, well, I think they look good. You know, continue to look good. The the walk off win yesterday was awesome. Yep. Um, I was watching that. Uh, uh, the starting with a runner on second base thing in extra innings. Still, I don't. Not about. Not about it. Not a fan personally. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Exactly because honestly, I mean, that basically means the first hitter is just going to bunt because he's going to bunt him over to get him on third. That's all you got to do. That's all you have to do. And especially you know, when you're the – it's so advantageous, especially to the home team, if you get out of that top half, just getting one person over, then literally anything in the field is going to score a run, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not I'm not the I'm not a huge fan of the uh, runner on second rule, but – I understand why they do it. I understand the idea. I just don't necessarily enjoy the execution of it a lot of the time. Yeah, I totally get why they do it. I do. Um, you know, yeah. you don't want these games going 34 innings. I get it, but right. it's just, I don't know, whatever. Well, but, the joys you know, of it. Both teams play by the same rules, so. That's very true. And, yeah, you do drop your first game to Kansas, and unfortunately, uh, yeah, one loss, and you drop from 15th to 21st. You know, you, you, you sweep the rest of the week, but you drop six spots in the D1 poll. It's ridiculous because they, I mean, they went out and took care of business. St. Thomas 10 to North Dakota State 10 to nothing, beat North Dakota State again 10 to nothing, beat UTSA 5 1. Uh, there's, there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to those rankings. But again, it, it's super early. So, 
Right. The rankings is one of those things. We'll get to conference and we'll know if this team's good or not because the Very SEC in softball is obviously outstanding. Very true. And we all know that's definitely when the season picks up. So definitely excited to see what they do. I mean, you've got a really you – know, you've got a local match with Sam Houston coming up here on Tuesday. And then uh, they go on the road out to California, heading back out to California. Yeah. Um, so that one's going to be interesting. You got Michigan. Um, see, what is it? Who, who Long Beach have? State. Yeah. Michigan, Weber Long State. Beach State. Um, then Weber, Cal State Fullerton, DePaul. I mean, yep. that's a that's a big tournament, um, just in the sense of like the number of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing how they do again. You know, I thought they looked a little tired um, in some of their games. You know, the trip out to the West, they're going to take another trip out West. It's it's a grind. It's not just <clears throat> not just the travel, but it's the travel plus the number of games they play. It's, it's tough on them. I get it. But, uh, but you know, that kind of stuff pays off later in the season when you just fall, you know, you finally fall into the regular schedule of midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you just, and you're just traveling to town. You got one team, you're just playing series. Um, but I'm excited. I, I they look good. They look really good. Yeah, no, they definitely look good. And you and I got to catch a good chunk of that uh, St. Thomas game on Friday. So yeah. it was good to see the ladies uh, just came out there and did their job. Um, yeah, you do drop the one game, but you know that that happens. That's just yeah. the way it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, technically you can win them all, but it, it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's no reason for alarm, especially when you come back and you and you know you don't let it happen again, kind of thing. Um, I, I think that's a, a really positive sign seeing the bounce back. Um, you know, you lose, you lose game on Saturday, but you have immediate chance for redemption on Saturday by playing another game. Um, so, you know, they were able to take care of his 10, nothing kind of run rule. Um, you know, UTSA dramatic, exciting kind of, kind of finish to the game. But, um, but yeah, I, I love where Trish Ford's got this, uh, got this club. Um, I think looks like Vessel settling in a little bit better, uh, which mm-hmm. I think was a big, uh, big hope. Um, Emily Kennedy is still Emily Kennedy, Julia Cottrell, you know, Trudy Cannon. Hopefully that kind of turns the corner for her a little bit. I know she's been having some trouble or batting averages and exactly um, lighting, lighting the world on fire. So hopefully, you know, that, that walk off grand slam when all she had to do was basically get it out of the infield. She right. just parks it. Um, so again, uh, I, I love it. I think this next weekend, it, it'll just continue to, to give us more kind of data points. It's the whole, you know, after one weekend, you don't really know much, um, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, and I think and we, we've said this now a couple of weeks in baseball and softball, because baseball, man, what was the biggest thing? Like, man, we, we really need to see the pitching improve, right? right. And I think that was really the biggest thing, because everybody knows the offense is there. Um, right. I don't think everybody knew the offense is going to be quite what it is. Yeah. Um, and I get that you haven't played anybody yet, but we've seen Aggie baseball teams over the years not take care of business in these early season series against teams that had no business beating A&M. Um, yeah. I, the one I remember, I pin, I know, I know we have one with Penn. I don't know. I'm sure there are, sure there are others, um, but it's oh, frustrating. Yeah. And, and good teams go out and do what we did. Right. Right. Good teams go out, really kind of leave no doubters. I thought it was interesting. Both, uh, both weekends now, the Saturday game has felt like a little bit of a of a grind. Yeah, um, you know, you go out and both Fridays you win by fifteen runs. So next day, you know, bit of a grind, um, but still able to take care of business. And baseball and softball are just they're very fickle games. Anybody can kind of 
sneak up and, and, and bite you. Um, and so what we've seen is we've seen a baseball team that has taken care of business against teams that they're supposed to beat, right? Right. But not only beat them, in seven games, our score differential, I counted this up yesterday, I was talking to my, uh, my family, Eight, 80 to seven. Yeah. 80 to seven. That's bonkers. Well, and that's exactly what you expect to do is, uh, you know, it, that's the expectation that a lot of people have. Right. And it's not necessarily a realistic thing all the time, but it's good to see that we have come out. And even in the games where the offense has struggled a little bit, we've done our job on the back end and it hasn't been a problem. So that's been a very positive sign for me to see out of these guys. They've come out, done their job so far for the uh, through these first seven games and you know, I don't think you can really ask much more of that. You know, do what you're supposed to do, win these games. The two Saturdays, I think they're interesting just because they're both very similar in the sense like it took a while to get going. But you see, you know, a lot of teams, you know, when when you're not getting on base, you're not hitting the ball, um, especially when you're barreling it up, too, because there's just I mean, these outs are loud outs that these guys are getting. Um, but when you can't seem to find the gap with, you know, with with a shot or some of the infield makes a great play or, it, you know, it's you can see that kind of kind of pile up and snowball a little bit in games. But I, what I loved from what I saw both Saturdays is these guys stayed locked in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all, all the work and staying locked in and just keeping on the grind. Eventually you're going to break through with this offense. This offense is unreal. Yeah. And I, I don't think anybody expected us to be at an 80 to seven score differential. They expected us to, to go out and beat these teams. But I don't think anybody expected this. Now I I, I know that the offense was going to be good, um, but twenty-one to two. I mean, that's like aluminum bat days, right? Uh, you know, that's that's back when when the Miamis of the world were were putting up twenty and twenty-five spots, you know, every night because they're hitting eight dingers a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another thing I thought was good to see is see us win without hitting a homer. Yeah, that was definitely a plus. Um, knowing that we do have a lot of different offensive options is good. I mean, yeah, we've got the guys that can hit the long ball, but we've had plenty of situational guys that have done well. And big shout out to Ryan Targotch, who had a really slow first weekend, comes out sat on Sunday and puts up some RBIs. I think he got four or five in that game. Yeah, that that was great to see. I mean, you know the talent's there, you know, Um but you've got to see production, you know, and, yep. and I'm sure he'll tell you, like, I get it. I get why I wasn't in the lineup. Um, so to see him kind of get, get back on the horse, uh, great situational time for him to jack one too. I mean, it was just perfect, you know? Um, but like you're talking about the role players. I think you have, you know, Kim Rio is obviously an amazing role player. Ray right. Montgomery's a star, but he seems like a role player too, in the sense that, you know, he hits for power. He hits, he hits for contact. He hits for a percentage. Um, you know, he's a heady, he's a heady player out there. He's experienced. He's smart. You know, um, and then obviously Grohovic and, and Jace are just monsters. Um, I thought Kent played well. Yeah. I mean, well, thinking about just those four, nine, one, two, three. That that might be one of the toughest nine one two threes that anybody faces in a lineup right now. Yeah, that, that having having Camarillo down at the bottom, and I think they switched to uh, Kent was Sunday's nine. I, I believe. think he was, uh, but Kent had a good game, and so the ability to turn the roster over to those guys, you know, more consistently as opposed to you know you get the eight nine guys in the lineup, and you're like, all right, well they're just going to get out, and we'll have one two three to start the next inning, and they're turning these lineups over, and and I, I mean they're just. 
they're doing just about everything right offensively. Like I can't think of any glaring defect, uh, you know, in offense, especially if Targot can, you know, stay consistent. You know, hopefully that was a light goes on kind of moment. Yeah, you know, really, the whole game he played well the whole game. Um, but it's just this this whole lineup is just so fun. Yeah, they're definitely fun to watch, and they've been putting up some damn good numbers early. So, I mean, definitely a lot of positives to take away from that. In fact, I need to go in on. The fielding's well, good, but the pitching has been – Ryan Prager's been unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and another thing that I was really happy about um, this weekend, we got to see a lot more pitchers run out there. And it wasn't because we were getting batted around. No. Um, I think Schloss really had a I, – I need to get these guys in some actual games. Yeah. Yeah, pitching uh, – Pitching bullpens and scrimmages only gets you so far. Yeah. So looking back at our weekend here, um, just kind of going over how everybody did, just some of the positives. Um, you know, so 40 total runs scored on the week on 36 hits, only one error given up. You know, they issued 23 walks to our six. Um, you know, struck out 38 to their 13, 36 hits to their 14. And I mean, Braden Montgomery just you know, we don't talk about him enough with so many other names in the lineup, but my goodness, you know, a guy hit 600 this weekend and was slug, yeah. uh, was slugging 12, 1200 with a home run and plenty of RB guys to go with it. Yeah. He was, he was one transfer. I got to be honest, I was really shocked that he left Stanford. You know, you go to yeah. Omaha two years in a row. Um, you know, you're not, you're not leaving that program unless you think that it's a legitimate way better opportunity to, yeah. to get back to Omaha. Um, and so I think that speaks volumes of where this program is when a guy like Montgomery will transfer here. Um, yeah. Because Stanford baseball is good. That's just, that's just how it is. They're good. But I think another thing that's, that's great to hear is it was, uh, was it 41 runs on, you said 36 hits? So, it, yeah, it was 40 runs on 36 hits. So, so that's, that's efficient. Very. <laughs> that's, yeah, that that means that you're getting on base without hitting the ball. You know, the the I just and I said this this weekend watching it that the plate approaches literally for one through nine look so much more disciplined. The swing planes look nice and flat, you know, except for every once in a while somebody unleashes because they're trying to hit it, you know, out onto Welburn Road pretty much. Right. But um, but just the whole approach of the plate looks so much better. The approach on the mound is so yeah, after one week and you're like, hey, man, maybe this is it. But we don't know because we've only played three games. Right. We have seven games that we can look at. This filling up the zone stuff is fantastic. I thought Cortez was was really, really good on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, and so it, we just have kind of an embarrassment of riches when it comes to to, to our arms, to, the, to all the pitchers that we have. Yeah. But we also have an embarrassment of riches just of talent and power. There, and there just, is – a ton of ton of power, ton of talent. And so, I mean, yeah, you're, you're a couple of games, you know, really seven games into the season. And now uh, comes your first real test this week. I mean, you know, you kick things off of Lamar. It's going to be a Tuesday. Tuesdays are weird. We'll see what happens. But uh, going into the weekend, you know, you have two matchups with Arizona State and one with USC. Um, and talking about those two teams right now, um, you have an uh, Arizona State team, which currently sits five – and three on the season, um, just wrapping just, up a, a four-game set this past weekend with Ohio State, yeah, where they, they split, split the it. With Ohio State. Yep, split it two and two. Um, and before that, you know, took care of business against Santa Clara, took care of business uh, against Kansas State in a midweek. So, I mean, not a not a bad team. 
No, I just generally West Coast teams are pretty good. And you know, that's where you even run, you know, the old, old days of Cal State Fullerton, you know, running the roost for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, USC, I, I haven't seen who they played, but they're sitting at two and five. Um, yeah, and I can't imagine that they played a ton of powerhouses. No, looking at their schedule here, you know, you lost to Brigham Young in Grand Canyon your first two games by two scores of eight to one, followed by a loss to Ohio State. Same Ohio State team, you lost five two. Um, no, they beat Ohio State. They beat Ohio State, and then they lost to. I, I, I think that's maybe Lamar. I mean, so and then they go and play Pepperdine, who generally is a, is a decent program, and they win the series, but they drop you know drop the opener on Friday. So I don't think we know a ton about USC right now. Um, oh, see, I'm. Let's see. I'm making sure I'm looking at the right. Yeah, I got their page here. So it was BYU, Grand Canyon, Ohio State. UC San Diego gets rained out. Then they lost to Loyola Marymount, but then proceeded to lose the first game to Portland. Turn around, win the next two, and now you got yeah, they, they won the they won the Portland series. Did I say Pepperdine? Right. That was Portland. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Portland. Um, and then so. you uh, you got Michigan coming up on Tuesday before you take on TCU twice and us on Saturday. Yeah, so USC is probably uh, out of the four teams going to Global Life. Um, USC has the opportunity to really get battered around, quite frankly. They could. Um, and uh, and I don't know how Michigan's going to be, but I know how Michigan was last year. And so yeah. I don't know what all they return. Um, so that Michigan game, you know, may not be the prettiest either. But, uh, but yeah, playing TCU twice, playing us, um, that, that could be a rough trip for USC, to be honest. Well, and my question is, looking at this particular college series, which is taking place at the Globe Life, why on earth – with four teams, do you play the same team twice and not the other team? Because you know we have TCU on on there, which we don't play them later on in the schedule anyway. I understand the situation maybe with USC and Arizona State being a conference thing. That that's about the only one I can think of. Well, if and this has been a lot of conjecture about this, and I think people have landed pretty much all this. I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but I, and I'm I'm 100 behind it, and I get it too. Uh, maybe TCU. And A and M came to an agreement. Like, if we're both in the bid to host a super, let's not let one or two games in you know late February hose one out of hosting. I mean, make fair. the other one have to make the other one have to travel there for a super. So well, I think, I, and I th- I so I think if that's right, I think it's the smart thing to do. Quite frankly, well, in in, in any situation where we're not having to play TCU for a super situation, the better a lot of the time, because don't get me wrong. That was in the past and there was a lot has changed since then, but there's still a lot going on there with TCU and A&M. It's still a great matchup that the big wigs like to see happen. Yeah. I, I think, I think the coaches maybe had something to, something to say about this, to be honest, just be like, look, let's not let this. Because selection, I mean, even baseball selection committees are just as fickle as any others. They are. And so don't let them have some random data point or two data points the last weekend of February when it's time to start choosing national seeds. But I will say, if we did come out pretty pretty well in the situation, while TCU t- technically gets the easier matchup with playing having to play USC twice, um, I prefer getting a little bit more testing in with Arizona State. So I think that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, we're also assuming that, you know, this early in the season that there's that big of a disparity because of their records. So, yeah. I mean, you never know. I I, never. I I certainly do not follow USC baseball. It might be missing a pitcher or missing somebody's, you know, somebody's hurt. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd prefer to play Arizona state twice and USC once. Absolutely. Yeah. 
only for us to turn around and take on Texas next Tuesday, but we will touch on that when we get closer. Yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about the Sips game on 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 next Monday, but. Yeah, that, you know, this is a big weekend because you're probably, I mean, you're going to play somebody that's in a major conference, quite frankly. A couple of them, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and so I'm sure Wagner and, and I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, good programs and that but they're just, you know, McNeese State. I mean, McNeese State has a little bit of history, you know, as a program, sure. but there's a reason they get scheduled this early in the year. Right. And right. you play these early season tournaments because they're going to be very reminiscent of what you'll see in a regional. So that's very important for us to go in and play these early non-cons that are out of town, whether it's these tournaments or whatnot. It's just important for us to do so. So um very, very much looking forward to the series this weekend. I think we're going to learn a lot. And um hopefully the trend is that things are just rolling along like they have been. Well, I mean, I, the the concept, and you know, obviously, we talk about the culture that the Sloss has, and the accountability. I think is great, and and any interview you hear with the players, I, I they've you know, you can you can kind of feel it coming through the interviews, right? Yeah. Um, but the concepts are simple. You know, it the pitch has got to be yours to hit it. Nice level, you know, nice level swing, mm-hmm. and pitchers fill up the strike zone. I mean, that's kind of it. And they and they're executing it at an incredibly high level right now. So and again, this is when I think it's more enjoyable because we get to see them do it against some Division One teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then you've got the Sips. You got another kind of paycheck series with Rhode Island, and then it starts. You, you know, in eighteen what eighteen days, nineteen days. Uh, I mean, we're in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, what a way to start off your conference late. And we'll obviously get to that. You know, as, as we get a little bit closer, just because anything can happen between now and then, both with us and Florida. You know, so right. You never know. But um, well, and, and and speaking to Florida, um, it, they definitely have turned it back around. Uh, now they've actually had a chance to play their schedule, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, they've I mean, looked significantly better over the last several games. Yeah, Florida's uh, Florida's a great program, but I mean, you can say that about eighty percent of the SEC, give or take. Right. Um, so I think there's a, just plenty of excitement around both programs right now, um, and you know we had a, a week where they continued that momentum. Right. So, you know, the more data points you get, obviously, the more you're going to know about teams, but the, I think the more excited you can get. Um, yeah, I think Lavalette, Montgomery, you know, possibly Grahovic, I, I think they all have shots at being, you know, first team, the first team conference, you know, all Americans, no problem. Yeah. I mean, they looked good. Scott's so probably another one. Ryan Prager's probably another one. Yeah. Uh, Ashenback, probably another one. Yeah. So um, that's when you start to fill field a roster where you know the majority end up on the all conference teams and and get all American nods. I, I think that's when um the expectations are high too though. Like this this isn't just hope. Like Schloss you know, Schloss has set the bar. You know, this this is you know, it's not we're gonna we need to win this many games, but he set a he set a bar of excellence. And I think that while it's exciting and it's a ton of fun, I think our expectations also have to be higher too. You know, you don't manage your expectations when you got a roster like this. No, and you shouldn't have to manage them at this point because we know who this team is. We know what we're supposed to be. We are a top-level SEC school that at this point has the talent to prove it. So go out there, do your job, win the games. And yeah, you're not going to take every series. We're not going to take every game in those series, but be over 500 in conference play. And you're going to be a tournament team. You do much better than that. 
you know, you're winning two out of three every single game, conference slate, you're hosting a regional. Oh, easy. And I think, and I think the expectation um, as fans, you know, I, you know, nobody in the program is going to say anything specific, but I think the expectation is that we host regionals more often than not. We should. I, I think and, we should regularly host regionals. Yeah. Doesn't have to, maybe not absolutely every year, but the expectation is regionals and the expectation is semi somewhat frequently supers. Well, and I look at AM and I think, yeah, this is a team that you know, every three or four out of five, you got to be hosting a regional. Every two out of three, you need to be hosting a super. You know, just, just keep it consistent and understanding that this is the direction the program needs to head. And my goodness, looking at the rest of our, uh, looking at everybody that's just coming up this year across the board. I mean, obviously LSU's looked good. Yeah, they dropped a game to Stony Brook, who's been a very tight opponent with them. But Arkansas pitching looked outstanding this weekend. Uh, you go to toe-to-toe with teams like Oregon State and Oklahoma State and do your job, and that's always impressive. So, I mean, across the board, the top level of the SEC is going to be very tough, and all of these guys are going to bring it to the table. Now, quick question. Did you uh, watch any other series or keep up with anything else this weekend? I did not. Just Aggie baseball and Aggie softball. Okay. One series that absolutely caught my eye, and if you do yourself a favor, go back and watch the highlights, in particular from Game 3. My goodness, East Carolina, North Carolina was incredible. Really? So they played three games at uh, three separate locations. So they played the first game uh, at North Carolina for the home game. Uh, Saturday, I'm trying to remember where the heck they played it, but um, probably Raleigh or well, probably not Raleigh, but like Charlotte or somewhere like that, just a neutral yeah. site. But then they played the third game at uh, Greensboro in you know home game for East Carolina. And that game came down to a walk-off at the end. I mean, incredible plays back and forth, high scoring, just very entertaining. And I couldn't be happier for that program over at East Carolina because that stadium had over 6,000 people there. And that place does not hold 6,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> so they had the biggest crowd they've ever had and they went out there and put it on a show for their fans. And that was awesome to see. It's good to see the growth of college baseball continuing with programs like East Carolina and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I think just the gro- growth of the, of the sport in general. Um, yeah. You know, as, as we've kind of got to this ultra streaming age of, of sports and television, all that stuff, you know, the ability for any fan to go flip on their team, Mm-hmm. You know, in college baseball, that's and 20 years ago, that would have just sounded like insanity. Oh, that's interesting. So where they ended up playing was at Segra Park, which is in Columbia, South Carolina. It is a minor league park. So they went oh. to a true neutral site in South Carolina and then came back into North Carolina to finish out the series. So that's rather interesting. But hey, worked out for them. Yeah, it's been so good to see the growth of this sport, and you know, because it's a sport that we both love. And I mean, it's I love college baseball. It's been so much fun to see all this growth. So makes me happy. Well, well, and another thing, and I, I feel like I've heard people say they really don't like it, but you know, for years, softball has always had these invitationals and tourneys, and that's really the majority of their non-conference slate. You know, they're not they're not bringing in paycheck schools. They're you know going to these invitationals or traveling. 
Um, and to see baseball really starting to integrate that, you know, the stuff like a globe life and the stuff, uh, you know, mm -hmm. down, down to the dome or not the dome, <laughs> mm -hmm. down, uh, minute made down the juice box and seeing it kind of around the country, you know, more of these baseball invitationals. I, I think it's great for the sport. I really do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love it. Um, so I, I enjoy seeing those. And it's, and it's one of those where you don't have to wait to conference to see yourself play a name oppo uh, opponent and actually kind of figure out where, where your team is, you know, how are they playing? How do they look against somebody that's not, you know, Wagner. You know? Right. And yeah, that, that goes back to what we were saying. It's just, it's good to get those tournaments in. So I'm, I'm glad we're starting to see more of that. And it, it's good to see that there's a lot of local interest in those places. So like Frisco, Round Rock, even Jacksonville's got a tournament now. They tend, they've been doing one down at uh, the Sugarland Skeeters, kind of a smaller teams. Like they'll do mm -hmm. like a bunch of mid-majors there, but I love that. Get yeah. more people into bigger ballparks and just increase the exposure of the game because the kids love it. And if you look at the state of Texas in particular, Interest for baseball couldn't be higher right now because your last two World Series winners were the Astros and the Rangers. So you're sitting here in a world where baseball in Texas couldn't be bigger. And college baseball, you have a lot of really top-level teams like AM, TCU, Texas, all very good baseball teams. Well, and and base, you know, the baseball system in in Texas has always been so strong. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, from little league on up. And so it, I, I, I'm right on board with you with the exposure. You know, get get these teams to the fans. If you can't get the fans at the ballpark, you know, get the team to the fans. And especially doing it in these bigger venues because not every college has a massive stadium, you know, and, and when they're doing really well, it's always hard to get a ticket kind of thing. Okay. So, um, you know, so being able to do it like in a Globe Life or a Minute Maid and, and even minor league stadiums, at least just getting out there and, and putting these these teams, you know, closer to the fans. I love it. I absolutely love it. And, and you and I are the same way. I mean, I love, love college. Well, I mean, I love baseball, but I mean, I love college baseball. So I love that I'm able to see it pretty much whenever I want to. Yep. So, except for this weekend, I think I'm going to have to sign up for a streaming service. Yeah. Well, and um, unfortunately, I mean, my. Aaron would be my complaint. Yeah. Like I said, and my weekend coming up. Uh, so Friday, my Friday is nice and open, but. Um, Saturday, we're heading out to Floors, which is over there in Helotus, Texas. It's going to be opening for Pat Green in a show. So we will be running out there. But, um, yeah, try to keep up with the games best I can this weekend. I mean, just it's kind of a productive work week for us because we've kind of been off last month. So it's time to get back to work. Yeah. yeah. yeah my, my one complaint, honestly, really would be about these little tournaments and invitationals that they do, you know, globe like class globe life classic or whatever they're calling it. Um, yeah. is get the networks to these things and get them on TV. Yeah. You know, SEC network or big 12, you know, or you know, somebody ESPN, they should have crews at these. I mean, they really should. So I, that's the one thing that annoys me is, you know, it's like softball weekend before last. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even streaming. Right. So, and, I, and look, I can listen to baseball and softball on the radio all day, no problem. Mm -hmm. But not everybody can. Right. They're slow sports. It's it, if you're not super into them, it, they're hard to listen to on the radio. And people aren't listening to games on the radio. Like that's, the, you know, younger fans aren't doing that. Right. So you got to be able to put it put it in front of them. Yeah, put it on a screen, get it in front of their face. So yeah, that would probably be my one complaint about these is that not all of them are televised, and that's. In today's day and age, that literally just makes absolutely zero sense to me. Right. And uh, yeah, with yeah, with our level of technology, it's not hard. Well, and and personally, 
my thing is if there's one SEC team in an invitational, then the network needs to go out there and do it. I agree. And, you know, bonus coverage if you can get the rest of the games, but at least get the SEC team on there. Yeah. You I mean, know. They should be doing that. It, I should be able to watch this on SEC Plus. Maybe not you, you know, maybe not TCU's games, and that's fine. But you right. would think that TCU's network would want to would want to go out there. Right. I mean, it's a major league baseball stadium. It's set up to where you can put cameras out there. Well, and I it's, promise. It's, and it's a wonder because if you look at like how they've done it in the past down at uh, Minute Maid, uh, typically it's through like AT&T. Like they've done it because they're the ones that have the Astros and they went ahead right. and did it there. And that made a lot of sense. Like just do that. Like, hey, we'll t- it's more or less a test run. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what a lot of these tournaments are for these baseball, you know, for these facilities. It serves as kind of your test run before the season starts. Yeah, you know, if they're rolling anything new out or any stuff like yeah. that or different angles. Yeah, absolutely. I just it drives me bonkers that in today's day and age I can't watch a game. Yeah, you're not wrong. So yeah, well, like I said, it's exciting. I'm very happy so far, of course, and definitely looking forward to seeing how we perform this weekend. But yeah, what else you got going on? Well, so we should probably divulge our a couple of our Mount Rushmores since we talked about it. Since we touched on it. Um so we did uh country. We did male country and we did female country. Right. And we did uh we did drummers, right? Yeah, and we did we did rock drummers. Yeah, rock drummers, uh rock guitarists. Yeah. Um we did a couple others, but those are the four I really kind of remember us doing. Sure. So Mount Rushmore on a couple we cheated and ended up with five faces instead of four. Yeah. But um I think we so so we'll start with a country male, uh male artists. So we said both Georges, Jones and Strait, right? Right. Clint Black. Right. And then this is where we cheated and had to go to five because it's Brooks and Dunn, which right. technically one band, but two dudes. Right. So it's right. really kind of four, but those are really our biggest four um, for us. Right. Right. Um, and, and we spent a good long time debating why others weren't on there um, and kind of going back and forth. And, and so my curiosity would be, you know, when we're done with these, you know, make a comment down below and let us like let us know what your four are. And not not have to do all of them, but yeah. um, but uh, we kind of just sat around and half heart. It wasn't really a debate, just discussion. Oh yeah. Um, so that was that was our male country artist, female country artist. It was uh, Reba, Line Dolly, right? Um, Reba, Reba, and Shania, right? I think those were the four that we did. Yeah, we did Patsy Klein, Dolly, <clears throat> Reba, and Shania, and if for no other reason i mean the cultural impact and the landscape especially getting into the 90s for like artists like shania definitely helped grow but um obviously the pioneering of patsy as well as dolly was so integral well yeah and that was a big thing too we weren't we weren't just talking their catalogs we're talking about the impact that they had on the industry kind of thing right well i mean then that's more or less how how you have to look at a mount rushmore right you look at what was the major impact of each of the major people all right you're gonna have george washington on there obviously right right? that's the founder of this freaking country that's our father that is where like George Jones and Patsy Klein, they're really kind of the George Washington because it's really kind of that beginning era of putting things right. on the map. And and, um, and, you know, and we talked about Hank Sr. and a few others to kind of float in there, of course. But yeah, yeah, Hank's Hank Sr. uh was kind of hard to leave out, but um but we're also really like we really love 90s country, so it's it's hard sometimes to get outside of that bubble. Right. And like, George 
and one George- other alternate we have for the women i know we talked about uh, the dixie chicks just because the impact that they really made like really right. turned the corner into unfortunately more of a pop country stuff which right we're not we're not a fan of but like it or not it's part of the industry and it, and it was a huge and a huge part of the industry and kind of a, a change in momentum of really i thought kind of kind of country music to an extent and of course as as a personal uh honorable mention of course i said jody messina just because i'm yes. a fan of everything she did so yeah we're we're both big time jody fangirls yeah we have big fans so um, but then uh, drummers, uh, we had a fun discussion about drummers. And this one's always hard because a lot of people don't know drummers, right? Right. So we obviously had Neil Peart. He, yeah, Neil Peart from Rush. Um, we'll see. We had John Bonham, right? John Bonham, yeah. yeah John Bonham. Uh, did we get through the drummers? I think we did. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else. No, we Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl, 100% was in there. Uh, uh, and then I said Joey Jordison, the late Joey Jordison, Slipknot. And, right. And that's, that's another thing where, man, you may think Slipknot really is actually the devil. But we're just talking from a sheer talent level. Um, his his ability in a drum cage was just after it was top. It's un, unreal. Right. And I once again had another alternate, um, you know, honorable mention to throw in there. And that's Danny Carey from Tool. So anybody. Oh, who, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And anybody who knows Tool understands that that dude is the king of polyrhythm that guy rocks and rolls he knows how to make it work but yeah between obviously Neil yeah, Pert and joey i think you and i that was the last slot like i said joey and you said yeah yeah so that's kind of the, that's that's yeah. kind of the toss-up and they're, they're both, both un- unreal yeah. and we got <laughs> to talking about it and i think this was mostly just for the drummers and then also the guitarists um like well really it was really the drummers oh, yeah you understand how good they are when you understand how few people are able to cover them Oh, like, yeah. to cover their songs yeah and, and, and they do half-hearted covers and i get that but you can tell that the drumming is just not there no and but it's so inspiring you know when you hear guys like that i mean let's face it nirvana launched an entire generation of garage rock you know guys like dave grohl with you know the opening intro the first song that he recorded on with nirvana that gets released it smells like teen spirit the first thing you hear is and you go into it that drum fill to kick off that song was so influential to people and like nobody even knows like you it's a psychological thing well and we and we tried to do rock bands but we were incapable of staying um within a uh, like a genre or kind of time frame right it was it was also possible. We tried. I think we tried to do '90s rock bands. And well, there's so many subgenres. That's well. Yeah. We, we talked '80s, but we talked hair metal. Yeah, we did talk hair, hair bands. Yeah, yeah, we did talk hair bands. Van Halen, right? Def Leppard, yes. Motley, Poison, Motley Crue, and Motley Crue. Yeah, right. those were our, those were our four hair bands, like Mount Rushmore hair bands. Yeah, and we threw in some others like White Snake and a few other guys that well, with Twisted Sister to an extent. Yeah, but they were a little bit earlier too. You know, they established themselves a little bit before the right. You know, and we were talking more like the glam hair bands, right? Yeah, feel good. Yeah, I thought Twisted Sister was always just had a little bit kind of harder tone to it, um, right? Yeah, you know, so they they weren't, you know, like Nelson. Sorry. No, <laughs> they were very much like punk. Like they were like punk rock, but they were like yeah. early punk. You know, yeah. That's that's a good that's a good way to do it. But and the last one was guitarist. Yeah, and, guitarist. And this one, you don't really have to care about a genre because you pretty much know that it's going to be rock, right? Oh yeah. Um, so obviously, so mine were Clapton, 
uh, Steve Ray Vaughn, Jimi Hendrix, and then who was the fourth? That that is I'm trying to remember who the fourth. I, was. I think we had a hard time coming up with a fourth that were as impactful as those three. BB uh, King. BB King was the other one that you threw. That's in there. what it was. Yeah, BB King. So and it's and again, it's not just their talent and 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 the sound they make. It's just the impact that they had uh, right. on music. You know, Clapton's career spanning the way it, way it did is just un, unbelievable. And, and his and obviously his guitar playing is great. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan really took what BB King did in kind of developing the true good blues. You know, the beautiful yeah. blues and gave it a Texas rock infusion. Right. And what Stevie Ray Vaughan could do on a guitar is stupid. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and um, obviously, obviously, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, you want to talk about changing the industry and really like uh, just his impact on, on music and rock in that era and kind of, you know, the um, the Woodstock era and yeah. the sounds that, you know, we, he was really bringing the sounds out of guitar that, that not a lot of people had, you know, had done before. Yeah. And then B.B. King, obviously, that's that's kind of a no brainer. Um, well, the, the other name that we threw in there now that I remember it was Prince. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. We had five on this one. This was one yes. of our cheats too. This was Prince. Yeah, Prince. Yep. yeah, because Prince can do anything with a guitar. That's right, and that's more or less like you know, when I look at Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix is kind of the George Washington. He was the pioneer in terms of like what you can do with a guitar because yeah. he was able to apply it. And yeah, while he what he did wasn't like overly complicated or crazy, it was the first taste for people yeah. of like that adding fuzz, adding distortion, adding these other effects that were not really used with guitar before. I mean, yeah, to an extent before Jimmy, but Jimmy took it to the next level. Yeah, Jimmy just leaned into it. And yeah, I mean, it had obviously been used before, you know, kind of sparingly here and there. But right. I mean, Jimmy's whole catalog basically is that. And it's, it's so good. It's just so yeah. good. So those so, were our kind of Mount Rushmore's that we were coming up because that's just yeah. what you do on a Friday afternoon when you're on the back porch drinking a beer is just talk about completely pointless things. But the fun things and the things that we enjoy. And I'm sure we will have yes. plenty of other ones in the future at some point. But yes. So <laughs> y'all, if you'd like, comment below and tell us where we were right, where we were wrong. If there's another genre or some other genres that you'd like us to do, because we're both we're both real music heads. Um mm -hmm. So we, we love sitting around and, and that's the fun stuff to sit around and just kind of ponder on and kick around. And, um, and if you want to really cut it down and be like, specifically, what's your 90s one? Who's your 2000s one for country? Or better yet, like, you know, is there like a modern rock band that you like over others or just a 90s rock or a grunge band or something? We're about it. Give us something. Yeah. Yeah. We can break it down pretty far back. <laughs> Enjoy some music. So obviously what? don't hate music on this podcast yeah yeah well, there's just about i will literally listen to just about anything just so, about everything um well that's about all we got uh i've got just kind of standard work stuff coming up this week man um yep. i'm gonna try and uh let's see i think it's i think i'm trying to squeeze out to the tuesday game uh out at olsen um, yeah i'll try to get out there too so i'll i'll keep i'll keep you in mind whenever yeah. we do that Either baseball or or, uh, or maybe softball. Uh, I think I can't remember if softball's playing on Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm sure we're they're playing Tuesday. Tuesday because they're going out early, I believe, to that invitational. Yeah, um, they're playing Tuesday against uh, Sam Houston, and we got Lamar for baseball. So, a couple. Oh, of I thought it was the other way around. No, then I am going to softball. That's right, because I'm going to the Sam game. There you go. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Rock and roll. Um. So yeah, but other than that, just you know, work, man. It's it's Monday, and I'm gonna button down collared shirt. That tells you how how it's going, man. I'm busy. 
Yeah, that's fair. We uh, I had a wedding yesterday. Our drummer got married, so Chase is on his way to Puerto Rico. So go Nice. down there and have a grand time, my friend. But uh, Got he's got partying. married in South South Oklahoma. Yeah, basically crossroads. We were all the way up in Denton for this uh, for this wedding. But yeah, they got that done. It was it was great. It was a great ceremony. We enjoyed getting to see a bunch of our musician friends around town. That was fun. Yeah. But um. Yeah, this week, uh, as I mentioned before, we will be out at uh, Floors Country Store opening for Pat Green over there in the San Antonio area. If you're nearby, please come and party with us. Also, Marlboro's at Midnight has released It's Out Into the World. Please go listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen. And also, if you please do me a favor, I will post a link to it whenever we post this out on uh, Twitter here in a little bit. But... Uh, Be sure to go check out our music video as well, because uh, we put a lot of work into this music video. We're very proud with the way it turned out, and we're really excited for y'all to see it. And make sure when you go check it out, you hit like. Yes, go get hit like, give it a comment because that helps the algorithm pick it up. It's just It's all the in the little, metrics. it's the little things, right? And you know, if you like what we do here, like and comment and post on YouTube as well. If you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and when is Comancheria coming out? Uh, we don't know yet. It's uh, it's Oh, still, you're it's killing still a ways. me. I I don't even have a mix back from the studio yet, so it's like killing me I know it's that is such an exciting song. I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. It's it is very i got much. a tiny little snippet and i'll just say it's fantastic It's a, it's a cool song that we're very excited for everybody to hear, just because it's it's very different yeah from everybody it's else. it's It's really so good different. really good really good I'm excited for y'all to hear that song uh, as well as that whole record. Cause we're going to have that going, but um, also ribs, real estate ramblings. You should Yeah, we've had uh, some technical issues last week. Um, unfortunately, didn't get anything uh, put out. I've been, I don't, I don't think it's just me. I've been having internet issues for like the last two weeks. I don't know what's going on. Um, like trying to trying to watch sports, and, you know, because everything so far has been on streaming, right. and I can't watch it. I can't watch a whole game. Um, so it's been driving me batty. So uh, hopefully, I've got that fixed. So I'm back amongst the tech world without any glitches or anything like that. But um, but yeah, that'll be coming back out on Friday, and then uh, I've got um. I've got a semi-animated series that I'm working on. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a name for it yet, but it's uh, it's going to be moderately self-deprecating. I'm going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, I've got got an artist working uh, working with me um, to try and because I, I can draw, but I can't draw at the level that she can. She's an, an unbelievable artist. Awesome. Um, and uh, so, but going to have a lot of fun with it and poke fun at myself and my job, and my industry, and. And that'll uh, probably be something I roll out. Um, I mean, it'll be weekly. Um, so I just got to pick which day I want to do it. So as that gets a little bit closer, I'll let y'all know. But it's going to be really stupid and I can't wait. <laughs> Be sure to go check that out. And we actually have a Ribs Real Estate and Ramblings that'll be coming out at some point that we did. And uh, yeah, the Yes. two of us. So um, we'll be sure to post that as well and let y'all check it out. Yeah, if, she, if you do that one, you only have to deal with us talking for 30 minutes. Yeah, as opposed to our typical 45 to an hour. So. But but we don't really talk about sports in that one. That's uh yeah, that was a little bit different. So It, it's a little bit more personal about me. And so if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about what I've done around town and kind of my uh, what I've done here and what I continue to do, be sure to check that out. yeah, if you haven't been over there, it's at triple triple R with Roy, but the, it's called Ribs Real Estate and Ramblings. 
um, and basically just sit down and I interview people about a half hour. We sit down over some barbecue, um, just people that I find that are interesting here in the Brazos Valley, just kind of trying to highlight and showcase the the unique personalities and, and awesome people that we have around here. So if you haven't been over, uh, that's basically what it is. And I'm 20 some odd episodes in something like that. Oh yeah. So that's awesome. running and gunning, man. But that awesome. said, keep enjoying the weather and keep getting out to the park. Absolutely. Well, I am Rob White. This is Roy May. We are the Red Ass Podcast. Thank you so much. Gigum beat the hell out of Lamar, beat the hell out of Arizona State, beat the hell out of USC, and beat the hell out of everybody else on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. When you get to softball, it's like 30 teams. So just beat the so hell out of all. So many teams to beat the hell out of. Y'all have a good one. I get it. Yeah.